Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen. Amen. So good to see each and every one of us in church this morning. The book of Joshua, chapter 8. Now the Lord said, now the Lord said to Joshua. Let me just set the timer here. Mm. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to I see I have given into your hand. I'm the king of I've given into your hand the king of I, his people, his city, and his land. Verse 2 says, And you shall do to I and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. It gets into the methodology. Now scripture says in verse 3, And Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. It is important for us to see here that the children of Israel entered into conquest and conquered the city of Jericho. But when they came to the city of Ai, they were unable to conquer the city of Ai. And you begin to see then that the consequence of sin is grievous in our sojourn with God. The point is not that we are walking pure and we are walking without sin and we are walking without mistake. But the point that the Bible is teaching here is that we need to come to a place where we are able to deal sin a death blow in our lives. That where sin is in our life, God calls us to deal with that sin. So you see now that I has been, I defeated the children of Israel. And then when you come to the book of Joshua chapter 8, the children of Israel now, God is coming to speak to them again, and they're going now to come to the place of victory. And for this morning, my subject is second chances. Look at your neighbor and say second chances. He didn't hear. Tell them, neighbor, this is about second chances. I want you to see something very interesting. Historically, when you study the book of Joshua, you realize, in fact, historians call the city of Ai an insignificant challenge. They call it something that was not worth of the strength of Israel. This is why Joshua said, do not commit the whole army. Just get some 3,000 men and send them to Ai. And you know the story. What happened is that they were put to flee and 36 men died. And the reason was twofold. One, there was sin in the land. And every time there is sin in the land, God calls us to deal with that sin. That we have come to the house of God, but God requires of us never to get to a place where we are comfortable because of sin in our lives. What is that sin that is in our lives and you have tolerated it? What is that sin that you are toying with that is causing defeat upon defeat year on year? But God said that even if there is sin in our lives, there is a way out. There is a second chance. 
and after he has dealt with sin, he brings us to a place of victory yet more once again. I want you to see something here. That disobedience to God's holy will brings us to a place of weakness and defeat even to battles that are not considered great. Let me say that again. That disobedience positions us at a place where we are so weak that even that which is regarded as a small, easily conquerable city is, is such a big mountain. 36 men lost their lives in Ai because the children of Israel chose to walk in disobedience. When he looks at the children of Israel, he does not blame Achan. He does not say that it is Achan who sinned and therefore it is Achan who is responsible. When God looks at us, according to the Hebrew concept of corporate solidarity, he does not look at us as individuals, but he looks at us as a body. And he looks at us as a body first, then as individuals. That is why he said how good and how pleasant it is in Psalms chapter 133 verse 1 and following for brethren to dwell together in unity. Because scripture says there the Lord commanded a blessing. We serve a God who can say blessing go over there. We serve a God who can say blessing come over here. We serve a God who can say blessing sit over here. Why? Because it is unity in the body that drives that blessing. So God looks at us not as individuals. He said at a latter place that do not forsake the gathering of brethren. God requires of us to move together as a unit and in obedience to his word. That disobedience introduces weakness to our spirit. Have you been in those seasons where there is a sin you are dealing with and all of a sudden even those things you called victory become defeat? That the things you said, I no longer struggle with that. I no longer struggle with gossip. I no longer struggle with a lying tongue. Just because sin is being entertained in your life, because sin is being entertained in your household, there is now defeat on every side. It is important for us as the latter-day church to properly look at the consequences of sin. Paul said that the wages of sin is death. Remember, Wages is not salary. The difference between wage and salary is that wage comes daily. So the consequence of sin is almost immediate. Oh, God help us. That is why we must plead the blood of Jesus continually. But I love God because that sin has been dealt with in Joshua chapter 7, the final verses. In chapter 8, he begins to say, now rise up. That there is no sin that is great enough to keep you in bondage too long. Amen. That never come to a place where you allow to be kept in defeat for too long. Defeat is not our nature. And defeat is not our portion. Amen. If we are doing discipleship, we cannot be discipling you to overcome drunkardness this week and next week and next month. One thousand times no. There is a progress requirement. And God is saying, now after you have dealt with sin, I want you to rise up. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor, dis be, nor be dismayed. Do not be afraid. Two things that he deals with. You see, what happens when sin gets into our life? The next thing that happens is that fear comes. Now God, he talked to him about fear in chapter 1, you remember. And the man of Allah rose up. 
and he gets into a place of conquering and victory. And now, because of the defeat of I, all of a sudden, God now has to address fear in his life. Fear has a way of reminding us about yesterday. That you think about the failure of yesterday so much so that you are afraid of tomorrow. And God has an answer for that. Look at this, this, this the second thing he says. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. The English language is, about, is a bit limited. When you take time and go into the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, the word dismayed means the following. That do not be broken by the confusion that fear causes. That when fear enters our life because of past failure, we can be broken and our action can be rendered irrelevant. Speak to businessmen who have lost half a million in agriculture. Sometimes, they might come to a place where they say agriculture maybe is not where God is calling me. That do not fear tomorrow. And don't allow yourself to be broken by the confusion that fear causes. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. That when fear enters the camp, there is confusion. And I'm praying this morning that every spirit of confusion in this house is broken in Jesus' name. I said every spirit of confusion that has been birthed by fear is broken in the name of Jesus. You can go back and do it again. You can go back and attempt that thing one more time. This time go with the confidence of God. This time go with the confidence of the blood. The blood that is able to separate our, he said, that though our sin be as red as scarlet, the blood of Jesus is able to cause us to be as white as snow and the devil is a liar. You can rise up again. That even if you had a child out of wedlock, God is saying today, don't be afraid. The future is still in view. Rise up. Now, listen. Do you realize that God tells Joshua again to rise up? He told him in chapter 1. And he conquered Jericho. Now sin comes in and again strength is gone. Are you seeing the wickedness of sin? Are you seeing the wickedness of allowing the people who you are accountable to not to be accountable to you? And one author said, those of us who are not walking in accountability, they are quickly in the bush. It is here that Solomon says, iron sharpeneth iron. And we must build communities where we are able to ask each other difficult questions. There are prayer points that I will give you because I'm entertaining sin. There is defeat that you will need to come to rescue me out of because I'm entertaining sin. And God now has to tell Joshua, again, rise up. But here is the key. That even when we are down, we are able to rise up again. Amen. Indeed, the righteous man falleth down seven times. The righteous man falleth down seven times. But that is never the end of their story. Yet he rises up again. I don't know what has been making you fall. You can rise up again in the name of Jesus. Somebody must have said that this is the end of your story. Or this is the end of your business. Or this is the end of your life. They wrote now down and said, okay, fine, he has finally come to his end. But I came to announce a victory in the house of God this morning to declare that even when the righteous man falls, in every fall, there is a rising up. There is no fall that is beyond the 
circumference of the blood of Jesus. There is no fall that is beyond the grace of God. There is no fall that is beyond the love of Christ. Let me encourage somebody this morning. Rise up again. Amen. Rise up again. Do not allow the discouragement of past failure to hinder action for tomorrow. Let me, just, let me say that again. Do not allow the failure of your past relationship to bring now fear and uncertainty and insecurity into your present reality. God is calling us to deal with our past and to enter into the future. Let me say that again. God is saying, leave the past alone and enter into your future. Enter now into your future. Amen. Oh, yes. God is a God of second chances. But let me say something here. Presumption is a cancer. The children of Israel walked in to eye with the arrogance of success and with presumption that this thing, we understand it. This meeting, we know it. This, this, we know how to conquer cities. The book of Joshua chapter 7 says that the wall fell down. And just in case you wanted to find out and clarify, he said that the wall fell down flat. It was absolute victory. But do you know, child of God, that you can come from absolute victory to absolute defeat and the presence of God is with you? That the presence of God does not guarantee victory. It is what you do with the presence of God that guarantees. Let me say this again. Haven't we seen Christians who divorce and both are speaking in tongues? It is what we do with the presence of God that makes the difference. Presumption is a cancer that we must now surgically remove from the house of God. Oh, I know the prayer service. It never starts on time. Why should I go there at 5 p.m.? Yet they will start at 7 p.m. Presumption. Presumption. And we begin to carelessly deal with things that Jesus Christ paid for by his blood. Remember what he said? That pearls cannot be given to pigs. If my prayer is pearls, then I must have the sensitivity to understand the value of pearls. Presumption. Joshua chapter 7 and 8 deals with presumption that we cannot come to a place where we know God and where we can predict him and where we can put him in a box and where we can say, you know, I know it's the baby dedication service. We will come and the babies will be dedicated and will be given certificates and life goes on. That man will receive, will receive nothing from the Lord. That we cannot, we can never come to a place of presumption. I speak to married men a lot. I speak to married, the scripture says that a prudent man foresees evil. I speak to married men a lot and I ask them, tell me, what does, what does it mean to make a marriage work? And many of them will say, you begin to fail the day you assume your wife. I was speaking to my father Julian Kuehler sometime last week and I asked him, what, what, what makes a marriage work? And he said, the same effort that you use to win your wife with flowers uh -huh, and with SMSs and with chocolates. Abby, am I speaking to you this morning? And with chocolates. And with baby, I sent you some bundles. Why don't you YouTube? Check M-Pesa. It's interesting how when you say M-Pesa, a smile comes out. 
you know, and he said, the same way you won your wife is the same way you will keep her. He said something else, which I don't know if it is true. It is you guys to tell me. He said that every time you begin to enter into a place of logic, you lose your wife because you, didn't, you never won her by logic. You never came and said, here are the seven reasons why I'm the man for you. And therefore, if you come with seven reasons why you are wrong, you are losing your wife. Presumption. Presumption. Have you ever seen people who get fired? If you investigate, you will find presumption there. That I'm used to my boss. We are buddies. In fact, there are people who foolishly say, me and my CEO, we are buddies. Lack of wisdom. It does lack of wisdom. This is the man that writes your check with your, your boys. He said, when you sit with a king, take a knife and put your life at risk. Because the carotid artery, did you go to biology class? The carotid artery is on your neck. He says, take a knife, put it on your neck. Put it on the car, risk your life. Because he says, how your life will turn out depends on your behavior around the king. Presumption. Without the cancer of presumption, I am careful enough, and my brothers will tell you, they are called men. And in my interaction with them, I must be familiar enough to love them genuinely. But I must be careful enough not to miss out what God has for me in their lives. How many times has Pastor Doc played, prayed for me? How many times? How many times has my brother Pastor Lobby laid hands on me and called forth things? That we can't come to a place of presumption. Presumption brings defeat tomorrow. Amen. And when you begin to see the children and cousins of presumptions is carelessness. It is laziness. It is dealing carelessly with the things of God. Do you remember when the ark of God was being moved by David and the children of Israel? Do you remember that story? And men were carrying the, 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 the presence of God in the ark of the covenant. And then there was a guy who jacked his shoulder. What happened to him? presumption that we are used to the presence of God that somebody will say now lift up your hand open up your mouth ask God for grace and you are, you are just re replying whatsapp messages presumption presumption and where presumption is the fear of God is not let me say that again let me say that again where presumption is the fear of God is not here's the second one experience Look, he tells Joshua now, I want you to set an ambush. I want you to surround the city. I want you to bring, take up all the men at night. And the, child, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ today would say, you know, we know how God moves. We know how revival happens. When revival happens, this happens. They are used to, you want to predict God. That what brought Jericho down is not what brought I down. That brings us to a place of consistent communication. What is God saying today? What is God saying right now? What he said last week, he said it last week. But he has something to say today. If the children of Israel went at noonday sun, like they did in the city of Jericho, they'll be defeated. That we must never come to a place where we allow our experience in the things of the spirit to begin to try and predict God. That God is able to do new things. New things. My point today is actually 
on verse 2. But before I get into that, let me, let's just go a bit ahead here, highlight some things, and then we get into, the, into our main points. It says, And you shall do, and I and its king you, you did to Jericho, and its king. Then God says something here, that only its spoil and cattle you shall take as booty for yourself. Now there's a shift. And the shift here is that in Jericho, God said, don't touch anything. But in I, God said, take everything. Take everything. And you begin to realize then that the principle of fast fruit is to deal with greed. The man that walks in greed, that man, let him forget I. He might conquer Jericho, but he will shortly fall. He will see victory in his life, but that victory will never be lasting. God begins to deal with greed by saying, that which is fast, that is mine. And the spirit of the principle of the fast fruit is correct priority. He says, I have desired your word more than my necessary bread. One thing do I, do I want, one thing do I long for, that I may dwell in the house all the days of my life, beholding his beauty. He says, as a deer panted for water, so does my soul long for you. God wants to be fast in our lives. He's either fast or not present. Amen. Praise the Lord. God must be fast in our lives. God has to be fast. Is God fast in your family today? Can we testify like that? Can we say that God is fast in your business? God is not interested in taking anything from us. He's interested in giving us all things. Scripture has said here that he said them, this city and every other city that they entered into, take everything. That it is obedience that unlocks abundance. Now, let me ask you. Let me ask you. You who has the spirit of Achan. If Achan just waited a few days, just a few days, forget one, one Babylonian garment. There were several. Babylonian garments were just dancing in eye waiting for Achan to come. The small, small obedience, that thing that looks like a sacrifice that is causing you an asthmatic attack today, Tomorrow will be surrounding you. It will be abundance on abundance. That oh, it's obedience that unlocks abundance. That if I'm praying for the abundance of God, I must also pray for grace to obey. Amen. Amen forever. That in Jericho, it belonged to God. And the obedience in Jericho unlocked 31 cities. How many cities? 31 cities. And in all those cities, God said, take to your field. There is provision on the other side of obedience. That when we receive and listen to the instruction of God underlined, God begins to unlock that which has been running away from us. That which has been difficult to get, God is able to bring it and to cause it to abound to others. If you can only obey, have you been faithful with your tithes? Have you been faithful with your Christian discipline? Have you been faithful with prayer? Have you been faithful in this church that you serve in? Have you been faithful? Can God say you have been faithful? That when you take, when it is not time to take, the spirit of Achan is on you and defeat will come. Are you seeing that the scripture is clear here that victory or, or victory or defeat is in your hands? Are you seeing that? Let me ask again. Do we have a church in this place? Are you seeing that victory and defeat are in your hands? Okay. Let me give a better example. 
When somebody is preparing for Olympics, who, in whose hands is the victory? Praise the Lord. Myself and Pastor Doc, we can only prepare for wrestling. Pastor Kev can prepare for Olympics. Why? Because there are some things that we're already seeing that we know. These ones are factors that we need to defeat. Yes or no? Why is it that the child of God can observe factors that can lead to defeat and then you bury your head in confession and in prayer and in anointing oil? Why? You can see the way you're going, you're going to fail. You can see it. Why do you think that that way you're going will lead to victory? Yet you yourself, by the spirit of God and the wisdom of God, you can see you're going to fail. Wait a few days in obedience. Enter into I. Take the victory that we have to deal with greed. Do you know that when a trailer, we, we, we happen to be on a highway, when there's a trailer here and the trailer is about to capsize Abby, can you say, let me go and support the trailer so he doesn't fall? Is there any man who can say, I have helped God? Uh-huh. Talk to me. Uh, okay, okay. You know, this, I, I like being a pastor because I thrive in inconvenient conversations. Trust me, I'm coming exactly where you are. Why is it that it is very easy to buy a bottle of whiskey for 20000 but you cannot give God 20000 Why? Tell me why. If you go to Moy Avenue, this is the cheapest place to buy suits. They'll tell you, tacky suits, 18000 When is the last time you gave God 18000 it's greed. It's, it's called, that's greed. Let me say this again. That is called what? Greed. If sausage is going bad in your fridge, that is greed. It is greed. I must open my fridge and I see my community. I don't know. I don't like your faith this morning. I don't like your faith this morning. I must open my wardrobe and see my community. Yes. If not, that is greed. That's what it is. The spirit of Achan is in you. If food can go bad in your house and somebody else is sleeping hungry. Oh, yes. This is the stuff that builds the glory of God in a people. We must deal with greed. Amen. We must deal with greed. I, bo I bought a book called How Much Land Does One Need? Yes. Let me come there. How Much Land does one need? How much land? Tell me how much land you need. Tell me now. Don't be perceived by the wisdom of investments that you should buy 100 plots to secure tomorrow. Some of those plots you should start giving to people who don't have land. Okay, let me try this side. Give it away! The child of God's security is in the hand of God, not in possessions. Why is it that you feel if you paid somebody school fees, you'll die of heart attack? Why? Is it because your bank account is reducing? And therefore, that is greed. That is called greed. Amen. The children of God, you see, we are kings and we must behave like kings. Absolutely. That is why where my sons go, they have to behave like kings. I watch how they're serving food. I watch, I'm checking. If you're serving food in the plate, especially in public events and the food is remaining on the plate, that is greed. That is why if you observe, you will notice. Why is the food remaining there? There is something inside of them that is denying them victory. That has convinced them that I must serve everything right now. Because if I don't serve everything right now, other people will come and take it. It's a scarcity mentality that is expressing itself physically. But spiritually, it's denying you your victory. 
You just feel that if I don't take it all right now, somebody, I will be denied. Yet you come and lift up your hands and say we give glory to God. That is not consistent. No, sir. That is not consistent. That is Achan. Ah is about to come, but Achan says, I want to take. In fact, scripture says, he saw ah, ah, ah. Ah is one, Pastor Kev. He's, he saw a wedge of gold. He saw a garment. One. This is why God can never trust us with true riches. Because you cannot, you cannot, you, you, you. Oh God. Oh God. Thank God that Father, you see, by God's grace, he has made sure I'm not teaching in conferences. Because this message is a pastoral message. Conferences, they won't take this one. But you, you must take it. Because this is a pastoral message. Get rid of greed. Get rid of greed. I was testifying. This is about to sound very, this could be a stumbling block, could be a testimony. But it's something I've been waiting to say for a very long time. So I was, I was talking to my wife. Praise the Lord. Hey! Yes, 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 yes. I was talking to my wife and we were doing a drive. And I told her, you know, love, let me tell you something shocking. That the first time God gave me 10 million, he asked me to give him. And I gave it back. But do you know, baby, I can't come to a place where I say God owes me anything. You know the way you can say I have been laboring and I am now waiting for my reward. I can't say that. Because on every side of obedience is I take all the spoil. That it just takes obedience and small, small suffering for a few weeks. And now you are at I. And God says, what does he say? Let me read it for you. <laughs> I have given it into your hand. He says, Jericho and its king, only its spoil and its cattle you shall take for yourselves. Deal. Deal with greed. Amen. Now I want to give us one more word and we close, we pray. Look at verse chapter 8 again, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. We have said that what happens with failure is that sometimes it can bring us to a place of fear. And every time we look back, we are not able to look forward. That if we are intoxicated by the fear of yesterday, our ability to take tomorrow is greatly hindered. And what happens then is that there is dismay in the camp. And the Hebrew word for dismay means a brokenness that has been occasioned by the confusion that the fear creates. Solomon called, uh, does it, says it differently. He says that the lazy man says that there is a lion outside in the streets. How did he know? He does not have the impetus to leave his house to go to labor because there is a brokenness that fear has introduced and caused confusion in his life. So God says, I want you to watch out for the fear of the past because I want you to take eye, but I also want you to ensure that you are not at a broken place because of the confusion that fear causes. Then look at this one now. This is it. He says, then arise up and go up. Arise up and go back. Now, God is not under duress to speak. Every word he says is very significant. So I got into study and I, I, I wondered, I asked myself, why is God telling this time in Joshua chapter 1, he told him, arise. This time he tells him, arise and go up. Now, the Hebrew word here is a Hebrew word that is spelled A-L-W-A-W. -W. 
Al-Wow. And that Hebrew word has five meanings. The first one, in the active form, you know, an active verb that requires an object. In the active form, what he's saying is, mount up on. That there is a requirement for you to mount up on it. Not only to be passive and to say God will do it, but to enter into participation with the divine and to begin to do it. To mount up. That where we are involved, we must mount up. Do you realize that after God said, I'm giving you the city, and like Jericho where he said, go around, here he said, I want you to raise up men. Now let me read you for you some verses so that you can begin to see what I'm saying. Now look at this. Then he even said, in verse 18 of Joshua chapter 8, that then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward I, for I'll give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out his spear. To take I requires partnership with God. That God is moving and I am moving. It is not God moving only. It is both of us moving. That I can trust God for breakthrough in the marketplace, but I must be in the marketplace. Amen. You have to mount up. The picture is that of a man mounting up a horse. Have you ever ridden a horse? Please, when Urupak opens up, huh? this is a date with 500 shillings. We end up on a ride horse. Sawa, sawa. So that you don't, just don't, just don't sit in. You'll be a bit interesting. Don't be a boring person. Go and ride some horses. Or go to car and ride some horses. Go to Ngong race course. See horses racing. Amen. Get out of the house. You're just sitting in the house. Boring life. No exposure. Zero. Go and ride some horses. So he is talking about mounting up to experience the strength and velocity of the horse. You must mount up on it. One other says this is called riding the anointing. Do you know that the anointing breaketh the yoke? But the anointing is subject to you. Praise the Lord. If the anointing was not subject to you, everybody will be born again, yes or no? Absol 1,000 times, yes. That the Spirit of God will have free reign on those things that you allow Him to have free reign on. Victory is riding the Spirit of God. Is riding the Spirit of God. Flowing by the Spirit of God. Mounting up. The second one is interesting. The Hebrew word, because these are picture words. He says that the second thing is a bird that takes to flight. One Hebrew scholar said, this is the same word used in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. That those that wait upon the Lord. Are you seeing that? Now listen. Did Achan wait upon the Lord? He said there's no time to wait. Let me take a gold bar. And let me take a one suit. Meanwhile, the people of I had suits more than they could count. He says it's the same word. That's the second thing. That the bird that takes off to flight. Man of God, Kagunda. He says it's that word. He says, but they that wait up on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. What will they do? They will mount up on eagles as with wings. Now talk to me, church. Does the eagle pray that there is no storm? No. In fact, if you study biology, you'll realize in, adapta in adaptation and evolution that it is the storm that built the muscle of the eagle. It is the storm that caused the eagle's, the eagle's um, wings to be expansive. That there's a requirement to rise above the challenges. 
The man that will conquer I is the man that eats challenges for breakfast. Stop crying about challenges and begin to mount up. Amen. Begin to mount up somebody. Begin to mount up. Don't talk about it. Don't complain about it. Don't describe it. Don't cry about it or cry small, small. And then call me so that I can tell you, rise up now. Now go up. You must mount up to take off as a bird in flight. It says they shall mount up on wings as eagles. Then scripture says that those ones will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Amen. Mount up. But the funny thing is that you must come back to mount because he says that the strength of young men will fail them. But they that wait on the Lord. Are you saying it is not a mounting up apart from the Lord? That it's a mounting up because of the strength of God in you. Amen. Now, the apostle taught us here that God is never clear. Because if it is clear, it's not faith. If it's clear, it is not faith. That means that I can stand and say I'm winning even when everything says you are losing. Amen. That is called mounting up. Oh, yes. That I can show up even when the business is bleeding losses on losses. Why? Because I believe that there's the victory of God somewhere in there. Amen. Amen. That is the second word he says. The first one is mount up. The second one is take off as a bird. That is Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. But the third one is interesting. The third one is, and I, I, I love God. I love God for such revelations. The third one is to make to ascend. And how Hebrews read this scripture, they read it together with, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That we have a God who is full of grace. That even in those days when I'm not able to mount up with wings as eagles, he is able to rise me up to the rock that is higher than I. That God also is invested in your rising. That God also is invested in your doing good. Have you read 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 15? Scripture says, for so is the will of God that in doing good you will Put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Can you imagine? God is saying, I want you to make your haters shut up. Let me say that again. God is saying, I'm flossing you. I want to make your haters shut up. He says, for so is the will of God. Please, take time. Go and study that scripture. He says, for so, what is the will of God? Here's one. For so is the will of God. That in you doing good, you will put to silence the foolishness of ignorant men. When scripture looks at what the world is saying about you, he calls it foolishness. It's not even words. It's not even description. It's foolishness. God wants you to rise up. But he's saying that even in those days when your strength is small, he is able to lift you up. Don't you just love Jesus? He's able to lift you up and bring you to the rock that is higher than you. There are issues in these lives where sometimes even the strength we have in the inside of us, it makes, it makes us feel completely defeated. But God is saying, even in those days, I am able to lift you up. Here's the fourth meaning of this word in the Hebrew. And the fourth meaning, are you ready for it? 
Somebody, do we have a church here? Are you ready for the fourth, for the fourth minute? This one will shock you. I, I read this thing this morning and I almost fell off my seat. That the, when God is saying, go up, what he really means is be high. That is a state of being. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen kings running? Like running, oh my gosh, we are late. Kings never run. Why? They are, there's a drilling in them. There's a mindset. There's a way they think. In fact, in, according to Hebrew culture, a king, the king of the king of Ai, when everybody was running, he stood. And they captured. He was not running. He was not running. That kings who are in authority don't flee. They never show the enemy their back. He says, be high. Think about yourself from a high dimension. Don't drop your head like like a bush, like you know the, the way the way sorghum, you know the way the sorghum head can never be upright. Don't drop your head. Child of God, lift up that head this morning. Lift up those shoulders. God's anointing is invested in you. The blood of Jesus is invested in you. The name of Jesus is invested in you. It is time for you to rise. Don't accept your present circumstance to, to enter into your mind. Don't allow it to enter. One of the things I do so much is, is discipleship. And you'll realize that normally, especially people who are starting out in life, the biggest key you can share with them is, it doesn't matter where you are, just make sure your mind is not there. Because once your mind is there, you will never come out. I could be in the slum today, but as long as my mind is not in the slum, I am safe. Be high. It's a state of being. I don't need to tell anybody, why are you talking to me like that? That is not a state. I've already accepted that they're talking to me like that because they think I'm somebody else. I don't need to respond. Praise the Lord. Let me ask you a question. If you told His Excellency WSR today, Your Excellency, good news, you're the president of Kenya, will he say amen? Those are facts. We don't say amen to facts. Oh, you're a man of God. No, there's nothing to say amen to. You're a man. Of course, I know. My wardrobe this morning, I checked it. It's trousers only. You don't say amen to facts. So when somebody comes and says, you know, eh, da -da 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 -da, then you say, who are you talking to like that? Do not validate them. Be higher than that. Amen. Let them talk their best. Let them increase their volume. Let them increase their vocabulary. In fact, you'll just walk away like you, are, you had barking dogs. Amen. Be high. Be high. Let me tell you, when I'm ironing my shirt, I usually iron it from a dimension of highness. I'm like, when I walk in these streets of night, you will see this shirt and you will know royalty is passing. It could be second and they'll tell you. If you... <laughs> Anyway, let me, let, me not, let me not reveal too much too soon. But the point here is, be high, be high, be high. Haven't you read the scriptures? He said, set your mind on things above. Praise the Lord. That is why when somebody says, oh, you know what, you have one year to live, I am above that. Amen. Somebody says, you know, your business now is about to end. I am above that. Amen. I'm warning you, I'm about to leave you. I am above that also. Amen. Above, 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 above. Listen, to take eye, you cannot be crying. Let me demonstrate, you know, it's, it's all here. I even came with large print Bible today so that somebody cannot say, it is here. Joshua is crying and praying. God says, why are you crying and praying? 
if you do right, will, not, will you not be accepted? That I'm now, I've not even jumped to Genesis now. If you do right, won't you be accepted? Why are you crying? Why are you crying? Listen to me. There's a type for crying. And here's the fifth meaning. This is the fifth meaning now of this word. There's a time for crying, but there's a time for rising up. So the fifth meaning of Joshua chapter 8, that word go up there in the KJV, here's the fifth meaning. The fifth meaning, I love this one. The fifth meaning is to come up in the morning. And how the Hebrew priests read this, they read it together with weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Listen to me. When morning comes, it doesn't matter how much tears was on your face. Joy has also arrived. And the glory of the latter is always greater than the glory of the former. Because joy came after weeping somebody, it means joy is always stronger than weeping. And I want to make an announcement in this house. May you come into your morning season in the name of Jesus. May you come into your season of joy in the name of Jesus. I said, may you come into your season of joy. I don't like your faith. May you come into your season of joy. Let every tear be stopped now in the name. In the next three months, these three months that we still have to, we still have to live on this year, we must manifest in the name of Jesus. We could have cried from January to now, but morning now has come. It doesn't matter how difficult it has been the whole year. Now we have come into our place of mourning and weeping must give way to joy in the name of Jesus. The scriptures is telling us here that in order to leave the past, you must also leave weeping and enter into your tomorrow with joy. That to enter tomorrow requires an attitude of expectation, an attitude of excitement, an attitude that I'm about to enter into my large place. Child of God, rise up this afternoon. Don't think that this life has been too difficult so much. Don't think that there is no hope for you anymore. Do not accept to be convinced that there is no hope for tomorrow. It is time now. Weeping has endured for a night, but joy is coming in the morning, and I want to announce the joy of God in your family. In the name of Jesus, rise up on your feet. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop, and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye bye.